the adult were first people to really nail down and figure out how do we deliver video and downloads online because it's the perfect vehicle, right? People kind of are willing to deal with this friction to get to the content they want, right? Versus you sell a pair of jeans online. It's like, give me a hurt on it. Eh, I'm going to go to Macy's. (laughs) Hey, hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sell Porn or Die Trying. I am your host, Connor Young, and this is my show where we talk about the business side of the adult entertainment business. If you don't know me, I am a 25-year veteran of the adult business. Uh, I've been around for, gosh, a while, and I really honestly have loved every moment of it. My company, if you don't know my company, is Why Not? Our flagship website, whynot.com, Y-N-O-T.com. I am the CEO and co-owner of Why Not. We do media, uh, news and information about the adult business. We do events. We put on several events, award shows. Uh, We put on conferences. So we're very active in the event space. And we have uh, email services like Why Not Mail, whynotmail.com, which is our email marketing platform that's friendly to the adult business. So we do a lot of things. If you don't already subscribe to our newsletters, I would highly recommend it. I may be a little biased, but I think you definitely will want to do that. You can do that at ynot.com forward slash newsletters. We have a number to choose from. Uh, You can get our daily news to make sure you stay connected to the business. You can also sign up for our events newsletter, for example, uh, which will keep you informed about all the different events we do. Um, I always think it's funny when somebody drops off that mailing list and then later complains they didn't know about an event we were doing and wanted to participate in that event. Well, hey, look, guys, it's, it's a distracting world out there on social media and elsewhere. So stay connected. Uh, join uh, just a few important industry newsletters. These are the ones you want to be on so that you can stay up on everything that's happening. All right. So before we get too much further, I got to say the interview this this episode. Look, this, this episode's a bit of a fuck up. I just got to own up to it. Uh, I interviewed Jeff Dillon in this episode, and Jeff, he's a, a longtime veteran of the industry, and I interviewed him months ago, and I just fucked up, and this was supposed to come out months ago, and it didn't happen, and I do have to apologize to everybody. I will strive to do better. Thank you, Jeff, for your patience. I'm very sorry about that, but the information in this interview is definitely important and useful, and I'm happy to share it with you today. So apologies for the lateness of this particular uh, interview, but it's great stuff. Jeff is a really knowledgeable guy. Uh, also, this podcast is sponsored by Broker.xxx and Clickadoo. Uh, Clickadoo is a digital advertising network for web and mobile channels with excellent expertise, unique capabilities, and experience in revenue maximization for publishers and advertisers. So if you are in the traffic game, if you buy traffic, if you sell traffic, check out Clickadoo.com, C-L-I-C-K-A-D-U.com. Give them a look. They've got a wonderful platform. We think you'll like it. Very trustworthy guys. Broker.xxx, our other sponsor for this podcast. If you're interested in buying or selling adult websites, uh, maybe you want to buy that adult business you've always wanted to own, or maybe you want to sell your own business. They also sell domain, uh, buy and sell domain names through Broker.xxx, full businesses or just websites. Give them a look, Broker.xxx. 
These guys have been around for a long, long time. We know all of them personally. They're great guys. And so this is not a company you have to worry about disappearing or anything like that. Um, these guys have your back. So give them a look. All right, uh, let's get on to things because I have a number of things I want to discuss before we get to the interview with Jeff. So first up, I'm really happy to report on Why Not Reunion, which just went down in Phoenix. This just concluded a couple weeks ago. And man, did we have a good time. Um, if, if you remember, if you ever attended the Phoenix Forum that CC Bill used to put on every year, you remember that we would go to this beautiful town in just outside of Phoenix, Tempe, Arizona. The weather was just fantastic. We would do it every spring uh, in April, early April, and man, it was a good time. But in 2019, CC Bill, they used to buy out this you know entire hotel, the Tempe Mission Palms, and quite honestly, it just wasn't feasible or or I don't know if feasible is the right word. I would say it just wasn't something they wanted to continue doing going forward. So that show came to an end and a lot of us were just really missing that Tempe experience. And so why not decided to throw Why Not Reunion this year and bring everybody back to Tempe? We changed the venue. We were at the Tempe Weston, which is a brand new hotel. It, it was built after the last Phoenix Forum concluded. So totally new place. It was a unique format. We kind of just did away with the, the seminars and the exhibits and things of that nature. And we focused entirely on business networking. So this is a show that we really focused on that Phoenix Forum crowd. That's who we wanted to attend. It was primarily for like business executives and marketing professionals, et cetera. And the unique format focusing on mixers, I think, is definitely a hit with this crowd. Uh, you know, it's all about business relationships and connecting with old friends and meeting some new people. That was the focus. We had cocktail happy hours and evening mixers uh, that were going on during the show. Uh, we, we did some fun activities. We had a group that went to Top Golf in uh, Phoenix. This is the one where if you've ever saw the video of, of Angel Slugger, Mike Trout hitting a golf ball out of Top Golf, this was the venue. So it was the same place. It was chill. It was a lot of fun. Another group went to do go-kart racing for those adrenaline junkies. We had a nature hike uh, that that Todd uh, Todd Yanks put on. That was great. He took a group up to the top of that, that big mountain over there in Tempe that a lot of people uh, know when they get there. Uh, Sunday, we just hung out at this water park and they had like the lazy river and water slides and we hung out in the cabanas and um, Paxum, uh, Chris over at Paxum really hooked us up. They sponsored that water park hangout. They were buying drinks for everybody. Man, that was a good time. So we will be returning in 2022 with Why Not Reunion. I'm sorry, returning in 2023. Uh, mind you, it's already 2022. The years are just flying by these days. Uh, but we will be returning next year. We got a ton of great reviews from attendees. Seemed like the show went off really well for everybody. So we're looking forward to expanding Why Not Reunion next year. Also, if you missed Why Not Reunion or if you attended and you want to connect with your industry some more, we are doing the Why Not Summit. Uh, that is returning May 10th through 11th. So it's just coming up in a couple weeks. And this is our all virtual summit. You can register to attend for free. Uh, we also accept donations. If you would like to uh, voluntarily can contribute something to the uh, effort, you can register it. Go to whynotsummit.com, Y-N-O-T summit.com. Click the register button and just kind of 
follow your way through to the forum and it won't take very long and you will be registered to attend and that's going to be a fun show it's three tracks this time so we have the traditional model track which is for models performers um, content creators etc then we have the the webmaster track that we've always had, which is for largely for the kinds of people listening to this podcast or the kinds of individuals who are at, at Why Not Reunion. This is for the executives, the web developers, the marketing experts, et cetera, who work with online adult uh, companies and websites, whether it's camming or, or adult dating, et cetera, whatever, whatever you're into. But this year we're adding a retail track, which is going to be great. We're doing some some retail companies will be doing product exhibitions going over all their latest products and what's coming up and we got some sessions and seminars uh, and exhibitors all of interest to the retail novelty sector of our business also i gotta say we got tara patrick coming back doing a keynote at why not summit for the model track which is going to be amazing tara is just a wonderful person and i can't wait to hear what she has to say what she has to talk about here to the uh, to the models and to attendees of Why Not Summit. One more quick thing to announce before we get to our interview, and that's Why Not is going to be at Exotica in Chicago in a couple of days. That's coming up April 29th through the end of the weekend, um, Exotica, Chicago. And we're going bigger than ever this year. Um, so I'm excited about this. This is going to be our biggest booth yet at Exotica. And we have all kinds of awesome performers, uh, industry talent who will be in the Why Not booth uh, doing autographs for fans. Um, and we're doing something different this year. We're going to be doing in-booth photography. So we have a studio photography setup that we're going to be putting into the booth. And models will be doing photo shoots in the booth. It's all safe for work stuff, but it's going to be fun stuff for the fans to watch. They can watch a photo shoot go down, do a, a little uh, video of that if they want to share it. Um, all stuff that they can share uh, anywhere, really, since it'll be safe for work. But, you know, sexy stuff, but totally safe for work. So that's going to be a lot of fun. The lineup of talent appearing in the Why Not booth is amazing. I got to give props to my to my business partner, Jay, uh, Jay Capita, for putting this together and working with all of these amazing, talented performers. Uh, Eden Blair, Aria Cade, Maddie Collins, Sterling XSM, Kylie Corrupt, Sarah St. Clair, Marilyn Marie, Scarlett Lush, Leda Tharia, Finney, and Lucky B. Dallas will all be in the Why Not booth signing for fans and hanging out. So if you are going to be in Chicago, then swing on by the booth and say hi to us, say hi to the Why Not uh, team, and uh, you know make sure to, to chat with the performers and the uh, um, creators that will be in the booth signing for fans. It's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to it. In fact, that's getting ready to leave for that trip is what I'm doing after recording this episode. It's going to be a blast. A little cold in Chicago, but you know what? I grew up in Monterey, California. I'm in Austin, Texas now, but I grew up in Monterey, California, and we always had cold weather there. So it's it's not going to be anything uh, that's new for me. I actually kind of actually kind of dig it. Got to be honest with you. All right. So this interview with Jeff, I've known Jeff for a long time. Um, he is a fascinating dude. If you don't know Jeff. Picture somebody who's going to be hanging out in the gym a lot because the dude is always in great shape. And I, he's got so much experience in the business that was really a, a, an issue of, 
What do I ask them about? So traffic is always on everybody's mind. So we talk about traffic and organic traffic and, and what can people still do there? We talk about OnlyFans a little bit, and what's going on with creators and how the industry's shifting there. And we talk about adult industry banking issues. At the time of this interview, Jeff was with Nafty Token, which is an NFT uh, um, marketplace for models and creators. And it's it, and and he was in in that whole kind of crypto emerging world. So we get into that. We get into a, a book that Jeff actually turned me on to called Blue Ocean Strategies. So I, I talk a little bit about that with him and some of the interesting marketing points and uh, business development points that are featured in that book. So it's just a wide ranging, interesting interview. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into this. It's man. Better late than never, right? Here it is. Here's me interviewing Jeff Dillon. Enjoy. Hey, Jeff, really appreciate you jumping on the show with us today. I'm excited to uh, kind of talk to you about business and what's going on in the, uh, the industry these days. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Connor. It's a pleasure. I know we have been trying to connect for a hot minute here, and uh, so good we can finally pencil in a date and lock something in. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And and uh, you know, I know you and I go back a bit. We've known each other for a while. Um, but for I, I like to start off for those people who don't know you. Some people will obviously know you. Some won't. Um, give me a sense of uh, give me a sense of who you are. What are you into? What do you when you're not working? When you're not like sitting at the computer, you know, grinding out work. What are, what, what what's your typical day look like? What are you into? Uh, you know, for me, I'm a dad, so that's first and foremost. You know, I have a two year old son, so I'm, I'm relatively new to the dad world. So. Um, that's my biggest hobby time spent with. Uh, I do still have, was a, a competitive bodybuilder early in my life. Uh, you know, I was in the military. Um, so I still enjoy working out. I try getting up every day before he wakes up. And that's my little peace and quiet time. I get up around four or five in the morning, go to the gym. I can still Skype, work out, work from uh, while I'm working out. So you know, pretty much other when I'm not working, it's, you know, really spending time with my son, my family. And then uh, early mornings, I try to grab a quick workout in about six, seven days a week and have a little me time. You know, that's my little therapy enjoyment time right there. Um, other nice. than that, if this pandemic will ever end, I hope to get back to traveling. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah we, we've been pretty much staying put most of the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Uh, we did just move up by Lake Tahoe. So I'm definitely been taking advantage of the hiking, the skiing and things up here. So, um, you know, looking forward to ski season starting here again in a few more months. Tahoe is beautiful, man. I grew up in uh, Central California in uh, Monterey. I don't know if you know where that is. Uh, yes. So it's not, I mean, it's a few hours away from Tahoe, but it's not that, that bad of a drive. And I actually went to college at uh, Sac State. So, you know, up in that general area and, uh, and Tahoe is absolutely beautiful, man. I love yeah. it up there. Not right now. It happens to be on fire, but yeah, generally it's... Dallas put a damper on things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super smoky. You know, like, people don't know me. I originally spent most of my time in San Francisco. And you know, today I woke up and it was just... Uh, so the smoke reminded me of actually being in San, a foggy day in San Francisco. That's 
how foggy it is here currently at the moment. San Francisco is such a, a unique city. It's funny, like, because, you know, when I was young and growing up in Monterey, it's like you want to get to a city where there's something exciting going on. You know, San Francisco was the one that was most accessible. Uh, you know, L.A. was like, you know, six, seven hours drive for us, you know, down there. So we'd head up to San Francisco. And I just remember going up there, you know, when I just turned eight, 18, go up with some friends and hitting some of the like strip clubs and stuff they had out there. And it was just wild. Like, have you ever been to what was the name of that like the, the Mitchell Brothers Theater like is that still there do you know that just I think it shut down right before the pandemic or right after the pandemic but yeah in terms of like that whole area North Beach Mitchell Brothers and actually I, I got a chance to go to Mitchell Brothers because they I don't know if your audience knows this or some probably do some probably don't I mean they were one of the original adult content creators in the industry right they're they're famous for the movie um I would say probably the most famous one is Behind the Green Door. Right. Vivid did a remake of that, um, and they did a. uh, They've got a nice actual theater in Behind the Green Door where they can show. They used to show actual movies. For you guys don't remember this before my time, you know, you couldn't buy a movie and take it home. You actually had to go to a a theater, and you would watch your movies. uh, You bring a newspaper in, maybe. So <laughs> cover up the yeah, yeah. yeah but so they say they, they did it a, a showing of behind the green door the vivid remake of it and they had the original cast come on and you know they had people like johnny keys come in um you know and he was pretty a revolutionary actor at the time because he was the first male black actor to have interracial sex right you know and you know we think nothing of it at the time but at the time that created a lot of heat uh, you know, in the communities and there was people that set him up for a drug sting and the Mitchell brothers came and, and they, you know, hired a lawyer, put a million dollars into him to, to really save him. And, you know, he's sitting there telling these stories and, you know, how people would be arrested back in the day. And, you know, he was a mainstream, uh, uh, you know, play actor. He did like the play hair and things like that. And, you know, it's the free love kind of community and his natural transition into you know, doing porn. So, I mean, to me, that uh, it's funny you mentioned the Mitchell brothers because that was one of my fondest experience there. Then, uh, and also in San Francisco, was pretty interesting. Was the lust? You ever go to the lusty lady? Uh, the lusty that lady. One I don't know. It was the one, the old school one, where you put the quarters in and the window popped up, and then you could watch yeah. watch strippers there. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a movie about it somewhere around it. It's it was because it was the first place to unionize strippers right but yeah. it was really a throwback to when you can you know just rip the peepers you throw a quarter in and you would see a, a a live entertainer there right in front of your little window um, so i used to think that was pretty pretty cool but yeah san francisco's got a, a lot of history with adult um, and then then for a little while there was it was a little it was the northern you know there was la right la had that southern mecca where they had all the studios and the content producers but really northern california and san francisco actually right whole mission street was really all the tech adult companies there was kink.com us game link naked sword hot house video box um uh, um I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple other other ones. Falcon. Falcon was a, a few doors down from us. Yeah. You know, so it was this whole little mecca. Bellamy. Bellamy had an office there. Um, you know, so San Francisco kind of became this northern, you know, adult tech centric community. And 
in the early 2000s, right? And that's kind of when I got started there. You know, we'd all hang out and swap stories. And so it was, it was a good time to be in San Francisco and a good time to be in the adult industry, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah, when I, that, that infamous trip when I was 18 and I remember I was, I don't know, I was somewhere, I was in a restaurant, I was getting food or something and my, my buddy had gone out kind of like roaming around and was just checking shit out and wandered into the strip club. We'd never heard of lap dances or anything at this point, right? So we didn't even know what that was. So he goes into this dark strip club in San Francisco and he sees these girls like in these guys' laps, you know, lap dancing, but doesn't know what he's seeing because it's dark and smoky and comes running back and he's like, dude, people are just fucking over there, right? I was just like, what did I fight? I'm telling you, man, the chick was like in this guy's lap. They're fucking, they're just fucking in this place. So I was like, I got to see this. There's no fucking way that's going on. But it's, 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 uh, that was my first sort of experience with strip clubs. Cause you know, we didn't have those in central California really You had to go to San Francisco and, uh, to, to see anything like that in, in the area. But it's a, it's a cool city. You know, I, it's like, if you like, um, if you like Asian food, for example, there's like some amazing restaurants, uh, that, that you can go there. Um, it's always kind of cold and windy, but it's, it's unique. Like that was my first big city experience. And then when I started seeing all these other cities in America and realizing so many of them are sort of cookie cutter and didn't have that unique flair, there's a few unique cities out there, right. That just stand out, but there's a whole lot where the downtowns just, just look very generic and they don't have that same kind of uh, character that San Francisco does. Yeah. I, I would say San Francisco is probably the most like European esque city that we have here in the U S and you know, you mentioned food. That's probably the, the thing I miss most about that city is the, the just the selection of foods. You walk out your door and you're going to pass 20 restaurants. You said live at like 10 blocks from a gym. Me and my wife used to always walk to the gym and you'd walk home. It was easy. It's like, oh, what do you want to eat tonight? You know, you're like, here, 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 here. You know, where we live now, we don't have that nice selection. But uh, yeah, so. And, and the, the, mission, the Mission Street Burrito. You know, a lot of people don't know. The burrito, and some people would debate me on this one, and I'll take you to my grave. But the burrito was invented in, uh, in the Mission Street, right? And you will get no better burrito than in San Francisco in Mission Street. So, uh, damn, I'm gonna have to check that out when I'm there next time. I, we, we're, I'm in Austin now, and we, you know, we're known for tacos and stuff here. We got some crazy tacos and stuff all over the place. Good stuff, um, breakfast tacos, and just like bastardized tacos that that they come up with here, and you know, Tex-Mex, and um, but really fucking good. You know, kind of world famous for our tacos. Any anything is a taco if you try hard enough. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about how you got in adult. So like, do you remember what you were doing before your first sort of foray into the industry, and then what sort of what sort of brought you on board? Yeah, so I was in the Air Force. Uh, quick story: so did spend a little time in Texas in the Air Force. Um, and then I'm from Ohio, and, and somehow I got stationed right there, right at my first duty station. I was like, man, how did I wind up right back home? Um, an opening came at Travis Air Force Base in California, and I was like, raised my hand, and I couldn't get to California quick enough. Um, and this was circa 1999. And, you know, we go out, you know, me and the military buddies would go out and hang out in the nightclubs and the restaurants there. And you knew tech was happening in San Francisco, right? It was just like, you know, everything, everybody would talk to like, oh, I'm a web band, I'm, you know, pets, doggy dog, dog, dot bark, you know? And so like, you know, still, you know, now we kind of take it for granted, but then it was like, you're a what, you know, web, what, fan, okay, you know, but oh, then you're like, 
executive assistant. She's like, I'm making 90,000. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm yeah, a nutritionist. Yeah. I was a nutritionist in the Air Force, you know, and looking post Air Force career, being a, a dietitian or something in the nutrition field, it's like, yeah, you're making like 50, 60 grand. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's, there's other options. So, you know, my time, I got out of the Air Force and I was uh, looking to use my GI Bill going back to school and I just needed a, a job to pay for school. And that's when I got hired on the game, like to help uh, do customer service. And, you know, I really didn't know what to expect from adult. You know, I knew I liked porn, um, but uh, you know, I, I didn't really have much experience in the tech world or the porn world. Um, but it was one of those industries I instantly gravitated to, right? And it wasn't, it didn't just become a job for me. You know, I was reading AVM magazine all I could, you know, start reading the boards. And, you know, so I wasn't just clocking in and clocking out. I, I you know, I gravitated towards the business, you know, and just loved it. You know, I loved the community and it, you know, it quickly became a, a second family to me. And, you know, I was, participating as much as I could and just soaking up all the knowledge. And, you know, from there I, I wrote, did, uh, became a planner and analyst in GameLink and, you know, took over business development and eventually become one of the vice presidents of the company. And I stayed there for about 14 years and, uh, 2017 decided to leave. And, and then I went and did my own thing. You know, I've really seen the, the, the rise of sex toys and, uh, and, and content. And I knew there was some sort of connection between these sex toys and content. And, you know, I seen people try to bridge that gap. There was a real touch that ABN tried to do. There's a couple other toys that did something similar, but the timing and technology really wasn't there. Um, and that's really when I started putting together VirtualMate. Uh, VirtualMate is a smart flashlight, I guess, mat male masturbator, if you will, that pairs with a virtual content system. So, you know, we started, formed a team and we started building that company. Uh, I did a crowdfunding for that. Um, I actually did another help. You know, I started after after left game, I did, did a number of different projects, but that was one of the main ones I focused on. I did a mainstream crowdfunding. So I started really getting my my uh, my feet wet on the whole crowdfunding and how to raise money through crowdfunding. You know, so I did this water bottle, um, uh, did another sex toy. And that's when I was like, all right, this crowdfunding is really a vehicle to help us raise money because when you're doing hardware and software development, it's, it's extremely challenging. Right. You know, it's like yep. most of us have done one or mostly most of us have done software development, but to also do hardware development with it, you know, it's, it's challenging and not as challenging. It's, it's really expensive. Right. So crowdfunding to me was the perfect vehicle for us to raise money because it's difficult and adult to raise money. Um, so we launched the crowdfunding campaign 2000, September 2019 and Right when I was about to go live with my crowdfunding campaign, I had a good relationship with Indiegogo. They were 100% aware of my product. And the day I was about to go live, they emailed me and said, we no longer want to support your product. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, I'm like, and I was sending them all these other examples of adult products in which they supported. And they're just, you know, it's, it's kind of like getting kicked off of Facebook. You know, what are you going to do? It's just... 
you know, there's not there's not really a court of appeals you go to and you're kind of beholden at their decision. So and also on that same day, we went to go with my wife. She went to go for a checkup. She was due. She was at nine months and she was doing a month. And uh, so we went to go for that checkup. And then they're like, oh, why don't you go, go to the hospital? Your blood pressure is a little bit high. And my son was born a, a month early. So oh day, like did not go as I planned that day. Yeah. Yeah. So literally, I'm laying in the hospital bed. Thankfully, I've been a big proponent of Shopify, and I built my websites on a lot of my other websites on Shopify. So I'm literally laying there while my, they're trying to induce my wife to labor, um, Googling, like, man, you know, and, and then this top position now with, with Indiegogo, what do I do? I'm like, so I'm like oh, there's got to be an app, and Shopify runs a lot on apps. I'm like, there's got to be a crowdfunding app for, for this in Shopify. And thankfully, there was a crowdfunder. Emailed my team. I said, right, you know, let's uh, install this app, build a page. And you know, we've done all this work. We're not, not going to turn back now. Uh, so we built the whole crowdfunding app in a day. And then I uh, had the baby. He was healthy and happy. And, you know, so baby was born. And then uh, a few days later, Virtual Mate was born. We launched a crowdfunding campaign. Had initial goal of twenty five thousand. Uh, we smashed that out of the park in four days. Um, nice. And we raised our goal to one hundred twenty five thousand. The pandemic hit, and we're like, oh, which you know, to to me at the time was like, how am I supposed to ship these orders to the customers? And it's our manufacturing and our manufacturing partner was in China. What are we gonna do? Right, very scary moment for me uh, again. Right. But this, you know, we communicate with all of our supporters. Everybody was pretty much aware this was impacting Apple, us, you know, it wasn't like we were a unique in this. So I think most people were very understanding. Um, <clears throat> but that put us in a, this unique kind of black swan moment where uh, virtual made actually became the perfect product for, you know, people stuck in isolation. They have this lack of intimacy. And our marketing really took off. And then we finished the crowdfunding. We raised 1.2 million, which is the highest crowdfunded product in the history of adult. Um, so we launched that. That was very successful. Um, you know, during that time, I was also a stay-at-home dad raising my son. Um, I had a number. I was also actively involved in the cannabis industry through some investments I was making. So I invested uh, in a facility out here in California, which was a distribution company, manufacturing and extraction company. So I had a little, a little hand in that, but, you know, I was kind of, kind of starting to get a little bit bored, you know, but raising my, but I really, for me, it was very important. I stayed home with my son, you know, I grew up without a father. Um, so to me, I always said to myself, those first two years, I really wanted to spend with my son, make sure that, you know, I feed him every day I'm changing them poopy diapers and, you know, just being there and spending quality time with them. And I, you know, I, I, being a dad was honestly the best job and life-changing experience I've ever had. And you know, Yeah, I, man. Like when, when my son was born, I remember that it was a weird feeling. He's 21 now. But when I was in the uh, hospital and he was born, I, I had this instant like, um, I don't know, this protective thing came over me, right? It was like I, I remember just like I could actively feel they're like, this is weird. I just feel like I just – just want to protect this kid. And I remember thinking at the time, um, this is the most important thing I'm ever going to do in my life. Like that was just like the, the thought in my head. And, and, it, and it has been, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah. so it's, it's a strong feeling, you know? Yeah. And I totally get, I'm a, I'm a helicopter dad. 
I do admit that. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, I totally gravitated to it and I just loved being a dad. I loved every minute of it. But I always said once he hit two, you know, then we bring in some extra help and then we kind of start, you know, expanding stuff I was doing. Um, and, and lo and behold, I had, right kind of before he just turns two in a couple of weeks, but uh, I was approached with a friend who introduced me to the NAFTI team and said, hey, these guys, really great project. And I trust his friend. Yeah, yeah, so give me the elevator pitch. Like if, I, if we're at a trade show and I'm like, hey, what's NAFTI and all that? How would you explain it to somebody? Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? NAFTI, you know, NAFTI is essentially a tech, technology company based on blockchain that's really solving a lot of problems for the adult industry. And, and you know, Having a, your own adult token, your own cryptocurrency in adults, nothing new. But we've seen a lot of these companies come and, and they do an ICO. They try to raise money and then then they launch products or they say they're going to launch these products, right? What was, I found really interesting and what really drew me to NAFTI guys is they're a technology team that's already building these projects. They're not trying to raise a bunch of money, then hire the team, then hopefully they get something out, right? They've already got live sites that are coming to market you know, so that allows me to do what I do best is business development, strategy, uh, build these communities, build traffic, you know. And so, you know, right out the gate before we even launched our token. So we have NAFTI TV, which is a standard adult subscription site. We're all familiar with that product. Uh, you pay a monthly fee and you watch content. Uh, we incentivize people to use our NAFTI token as payment for the site. So if you pay with NAFTI, you only pay $9 per month. But uh, we, we understand that most people still in the industry want to transact through credit cards. So we offer credit card payment and you know that's $19 a month. But so this kind of incentivizes the user, hey, maybe I should, you know, because I'm now, the purchase any crypto right now and pay with crypto is a little bit of friction, right? Um, so we incentivize people monetarily by saying, hey, here's a much lower price. But if you're lazy and you don't want to do it, you don't have the ability to do it, whatever, you just want to pay credit cards, we have that as well. We have NAFTI Art, which is our NFT platform. So we allow performers content creators to go on mint their content and then sell it as an nft we also have catwall which is our fan platform and we have nafti fans which is our partnership with adult centro uh, and then we have nafti pay we've already and nafti pay is our payment solution we've already integrated nafti pay with adult centro clips for sale nafti fans um, we have a number of other third-party sites already in progress to integrate with. Um, and top of that, we have a number of different products we've already just launched or about to launch, such as Nafti Merch. Um, then we have Nafti Magazine, which is our digital magazine. We're producing content in Europe. We just start content production now in the U.S., down in California, in the Valley. We start that this Sunday. So, you know, so the difference between NAFTA and these other tokens is, you know, we have live products, right? There's a whole ecosystem in which NAFTA holders can come on by NAFTA and then they spend their products on. So that's kind of my elevator pitch there on NAFTA. I mean, we've got more models on than any of these other tokens that are associated with our platform. I saw, by um, the way, you got uh, Tara Patrick as an ambassador. So nice score there. 
Thank you. I've been a long time fan friend of Tara Patrick. So I was super excited when she came on board and she's been awesome to work with so far. So I couldn't, couldn't ask for a better. Yeah. I mean, to me, she was really everything that's really good about porn. She was, you know, looking back in the day from the yesteryear in which we came from, there's, you know, there's a golden era, which was, you know, I think probably a little bit before our time or, you know, like that nineties, 80 porn. And then there was really like, to me, which was that, that heyday porn, which is that, that era right before the tube sites kind of came in when we had this whole thing of contract stars and it was really Tara and Jenna, right? And yeah, Jenna kind of went her own path and, yeah. you know, now she really doesn't want to be associated with the adult industry. And then Tara kind of just, you know, she's, she's been the shining star of like this icon of the adult industry. So for us to lock in Tara Patrick was, you know, I mean, it was, a, it, a isn't it weird how, how like an industry could sort of reach heights and then technology, like right when they're getting as good as they can get at something, like like technology comes on and just wrecks it like a wrecking ball. Like like I was thinking of that era you're talking about, and then Digital Playground comes to mind, and they yeah. had a bunch of contract stars, and they had that movie Pirates. Like, and I remember everybody was so amazed. At, oh, look, porn with this great production value. They're getting closer and closer to. I mean, it wasn't a Hollywood film, but it was getting closer to that. And, well, and CGI, man, that was a, a million million dollar, probably one of the biggest budgets movies of porn ever. I remember walking. I knew they hit a different level was, and, and again, for your younger audience, we used to have these stores you'd walk in rent movies called Blockbuster, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen like the the rated R, I don't know, X or whatever the ratings were for it, but the kind of toned down version was sitting on the shelf of Blockbuster. I was like, holy cow, this is a, a different sphere of content, right? Yeah. The Blockbusters, man, my goodness. I actually owned a little video rental store I bought for my wife to run like back, you know, so she could have a business. So yeah. I remember dealing with that shit. Oh my God. People hated the late <laughs> fees. I'll tell you what, they hated the fucking late fees. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like, um, yeah. Be so kind, be kind, rewind. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So I got to ask you about um, uh, the credit card thing. So, um, look, I see one of the things I'm worried about about the adult industry, of course, is the whole banking thing. Right. We've been watching the banking shit going on with OnlyFans and, you know, and um, and we've seen the MasterCard uh, issues crop up. Uh, we it feels like the the critics of our industry or the, the people trying to hurt our industry have zeroed in on banking like as a weak spot, right? And saying, hey, if we pressure the banks, we pressure the credit card companies, the people where payments are happening, maybe we can damage this industry. I don't know why these people won't just fuck off, but they, they won't. Um, now, is do you, did you see tokens as a possible uh, I don't know if solution's the right word, but a, a protection against like the worst happening or at the end of the day, do they still rely on credit cards and banks to get the money in in the first place? Or is there a way that like a solution like NAFTI might provide uh, adult companies, affiliates, um, performers with a little bit of, of protection from from the worst? hundred percent. And, you know, I don't know if NAFTI, I hope NAFTI will be the leading solution in this, um, you know, I uh, but it will definitely be crypto is in our near future, right? And what happened with MindGeek in December of last year and what's happening with OnlyFans right now has catapulted that and given us so much momentum. Like, uh, you know, we couldn't have spent a million dollars in marketing. I probably wouldn't have got as much momentum as what this gave to the industry because, you know, people get complacent, right? 
But really the analogy and the parallels that I see here is, is I said, I've been in the industry for a long time. And one of my first kind of roles at, at GameLink is really transitioning that company from a, a typical uh, physical goods company of selling DVDs. And then we moved into building one of the, the more successful VOD platforms in the market. But this is, you know, when we started, it was, you know, early 2000s and, you know, trying to create these systems in which we could deliver video was extremely cumbersome back in the day. It wasn't easy. People didn't have connection speeds. Yeah, you had to get emailed some VOD key and you had to keep that at like, you know, a document somewhere and punch us into a back end. And then the video would buffer all the time. It was a small little square, right? You know, it wasn't your ideal way to watch a movie or consume content. And then, you know, and I would license content from producers who would literally laugh at me and say, I would never, people would never watch a movie on their computer. You know, ah, these people are out of business right now. Those people laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but, but that was the mentality and you can't blame them because no, you know, they were making so much money through DVD and they were still selling VHS at like, you know, $25 to some $75 a pop, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, let me sell a movie for nine bucks and give you 25% of that nine bucks. They're like, piss off, right? You know? right. So they, <laughs> they couldn't see it, you know, because there's a lot of friction in there. And if you look at crypto, you're kind of in that same position right now, right? There's a little bit of friction to load your wallet, purchase crypto, transact through payment, you know, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of frictiony, but it solves a lot of problems that we're dealing right. with right now. So, and the good thing about adult is we forged all that technology. You know, the reason why we have credit card processing on the, the adult was the first industry vertical to do massive volumes of transactions through credit cards and really help do chargebacks, help the way people process credit cards. Why we watch video online. The adult were the first people to really nail down and figure out how do we deliver video and downloads online because it's the perfect vehicle, right? People kind of are willing to deal with this friction to get to the content they want, right? Versus you sell a pair of jeans online. It's like, Give me a hurt on it. Eh, I'm going to go to Macy's. Right so now, so but, why, but, why couldn't, like, as I'm thinking about this, why couldn't, and I don't know if there's, if the, you know, the banks would just be hip to this and they put a stop to it or whatever, but let's say MasterCard comes along or Visa comes along and tells MindGeek, you know, yeah, you can't, we're not going to let you, you know, take credit cards here for, uh, for your premium content. Okay. Why don't they integrate with like say nafty, right. And then, and say, yeah, you can't use your MasterCard here, but what you can do is buy nafty tokens with your, with your credit card. And now you can pay for it. So it does add an extra jump, right? So there's a little extra pain in the ass for the consumer, but at the end of the day, it's a way for somebody to use a credit card to buy the content that, that, that MasterCard won't let them do directly, but it gives the bank, uh, and out. So if anybody's pressuring the bank and saying you're directly allowing them to to um, accept on on Pornhub, no, we're not. They're, they're, no, they're not. They're, they're using Nafti to pay for it. Is, is that Listen, is that possible, or is that or is that or is every, there a, everything? Everything's possible. You know, I mean, if the banks want to allow that and and have that extra layer of protection. That would be great. And you want to set that meeting up, please. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. I think we're we're moving in uncharted territories here. Um, I don't see that really 
really happening, but you know, you really don't know. I think we're moving into this world of decentralized finance where people are realizing that the benefits of crypto, you know, go a lot beyond just adult, you know, and people are getting tired of the, these financial regulations that the banks that are controlling and reducing people's personal lines of credit, you know, it's, uh, you know, people just losing their accounts like Chase did this, um, you know, people just for no reason. I know people who aren't even selling adult content, but just do business with adult companies that lost their Chase uh, um, bank accounts with like no explanation, just just cutting you off. Sex workers, it happens to them all the time. Um, you know, they're there. They find out somebody finds out their model. They're doing live cam, whatever. And then Chase just cuts off their their bank account. It's a it's a real it's a real problem. I can't think of any other legal industry like like ours that gets so much crap and just like people just can sort of discriminate against it with, with impunity. But, but it's the banks have been getting more and more intrusive. And to me, when I'm looking at that and I'm seeing that going on, I'm thinking we need like crypto, we need tokens, we need those services in place. Uh, and we got to start looking at ways to, to survive if the banks continue to wrap up this kind of, um, this kind of behavior. Yeah. Yeah, the banks, the credit card companies, financial institutions have us by the balls. And crypto is right. ultimately a solution that provides that, you know, and it solves other problems too, right? What's what's a big issue for the adult chargebacks? Well, you don't have that in the world of crypto. There's no chargebacks. You know, the other thing is anonymous, right? You know, and, and that sometimes results in chargebacks. I get a little tipsy. I come home and I, I buy, you know. Big Boobs 5 membership and Slots with Nuts 9 and, you know, all these things. And all of a sudden, my wife sees the credit card and is like, oh, I got to act, right? And I charge all this back. And, you know, the beautiful thing about crypto is it provides anonymous transactions for users and it doesn't allow chargebacks. And especially with these fan sites, that's what a lot of the models, you know, they, they get an argument or some fans, like, you know, they get, they're not responding to the messages quick enough and all of a sudden they're like, screw this and I charge back everything, right? This is a big issue for these models on a lot of the fan platforms. So um, I think the, the crypto provides a number of different solutions. So, you know, whether... You, you know, to happens, back that up, yeah, yeah, to back that up real quickly, what you were saying, I was just watching a Twitter exchange yesterday with a model and she was exposing this guy who was basically, he would send money via payment and then he would instantly re, you know, do a, um, a, a refund to pull the money back, hoping that he was going to get the girl to do whatever he was trying to get her to do before she saw that the money got um, withdrawn, like that, you know, it got pulled back. Um, so there's guys doing that shit all the time. And so you're saying, obviously, that with crypto, the guy sends the money, it's sent tough shit. He ain't getting it back. So that lets the performer know that once the tokens are there, she doesn't have to worry about about losing that money later on down the line. Right? All sales are final. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's huge. But let me let me ask you that while we're on this, because I, I've never really asked anyone this this question before. Let me just put it bluntly, because I like to explore in this show the opportunities that are there for for affiliates still. Like, I mean, I come from that old school webmaster affiliate crowd and and what what opportunities are there still for for those individuals? And do you think that models and creators have just plain replaced the traditional affiliates and adult now? Or do you think 
that like you have to be content as well to really have any shot at making money in this game? Um, or is there a place for those traditional adult webmasters who maybe aren't running platforms or companies themselves, but just want to push things online and make some money? A hundred percent. There's still a place for, but it's not, it'll never be like it was, right? The problem right. is now the market has become so fragmented, right? There's only so many eyeballs out there. And now these models have a percentage of those eyeballs and they have tools and means in which to monetize and take advantage of those eyeballs. But there's still plenty. I mean, uh, <clears throat> with VirtualMate, I've been very successful promoting my product through a lot of affiliate networks. Uh, you know, there's ShareSale, we've got Pepper Jam, there's, uh, you know, so a lot of those networks and uh, 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 will enable a lot of affiliate sites, you know, and products to kind of promote through there. There's still like the coupon sites, the review sites. We've seen well, probably in the last five years pop up, which was a new kind of affiliate site, was the listing sites, right? You know, the the best. And then, you know, they list these categories. So that was an emerging affiliate style that, that emerged. And we've seen a bunch of people kind of try to copy that model. So there's still a place for it, but it's a fragmented market, you know? Now you're competing with the models instead of just 100% making money off these models. But... And the models are smart, right? The models are content producers. They get the affiliate game. You know, they get how to monetize the fan base. And us as technology people, we're smart too. And so we're going to provide these solutions to the models. And we're going to allow them to take these big fan bases and help them monetize it. Yeah, giving models tools to uh, to go out there and do their thing is, uh, I think, uh, completely important. And, um, you know, you uh, at one of the uh, uh, past Why Not Summit events, you were talking there and you mentioned this book, uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. And I actually ordered it. Like you said, I'm like, yeah, that sounds interesting. So I ordered that thing. And uh, I've actually, I admit I haven't gotten 100% through with it, but I've read most of the book so far. And um, it's actually a, it's a fantastic book. So the general point of the book is I'm just really generalizing is that the companies thrive when they sort of stop competing in the heavily contested business models where there's just everybody's fighting over the same customers with the same message and instead kind of create something new. And the book goes in how to do that, like where maybe you're focusing on some things and, um, you know, uh, in, in an extra way more than most people do. And you're dropping other things that maybe people take for granted. You have to do but you know what on on examination you really don't have to do those things you cut them out you save money there uh maybe you cross genres a little bit so there's multiple business models you're pulling a little from that one and at the end of the day you create a blue ocean where you don't have to fight uh competitors constantly for for what you're doing uh which i think is is fantastic so i wanted to ask you other than your own companies that you've been involved in when you think of adult can you who do you think has done a really good job in that in our industry of sort of creating a blue ocean and, and uh, what an example of that and sort of uh, um, being successful doing so. Well, I mean, I, I, let's just start off with the biggest conversation piece in the media right now is OnlyFans, right? right. I mean, they, they were the, really the ones that identified that models have these massive fan base on social media. Let's make a platform that looks like social media with payment options, right? And, they, right. and they kind of were the really the first ones to dip their toes into that. <clears throat> and I got to give props to Stan the man. You know, there's been nobody I've seen in this industry that has developed more companies. You know, usually most people are successful in one company, maybe two, but, you know, he's <clears throat> he's very successful in m multiple companies and, you know, he's launched a lot of things. So I think he got the fan centric thing 
early on, you know, he started with Content Centro and he's got this whole Centro things, you know, with the Model Centro, Fan Centro. So I think Stan, you know, was really smart and just did a brilliant move with the whole clips for sale. Again, kind of seeing, hey, what this whole model centric thing is. You know, the third vertical, I think that, that you know, I know he's not said, don't mention my company, but I'm going to. Can't stop, <laughs> can't, can't stop me. Um, but I'll just say it as a vertical, right? Is really yeah. is, the, is the adult gaming, right? And that's where Virtual Mate kind yeah. of fits in. And then um, yeah. I forget, what's that guy with the cool beard? Guy with the cool beard. You're talking about Rosso? Rosso and his company, you know, I think. Gaming adult? Or? Gaming adult. He's been very smart. And I think that, to me, is a very blue ocean right now. Yeah, yeah. Gaming is a massive, massive vertical, right? We're seeing it on Twitch. And we're seeing gaming Super Bowls and you know, these younger people that were growing up with Roblox and all these computers, you know, it's going to become a massive, massive vertical for the adult industry that we're only just looking at the tip of the iceberg right now. That's, you know, that's really why, you know, I, I built Virtual Mate. But a lot of it's just, you know, one of the cool things that enabled us and these other gaming companies is humans, you can build a super lifelike human online that looks pretty real you know versus you look at you know uh, games of you know five ten years ago is very anime looking very cartoonish looking you right. know but we're in this world of you know deep fakes which is a negative connotation but the world of deep fakes exists because we create this lifelike person this celebrity this public figure that looks and behaves extremely real you know now we've got ai we've got technology so to me, that that's really a lot of the blue ocean strategy that I'm pursuing and that I see available out there, though. So, I mean, watch out for a lot of companies that will be developing and, and moving into that space. But, you know, with the fan platforms, we quickly seen a blue ocean go to a red ocean very quickly. But, you know, OnlyFans yeah. is miles ahead of <clears throat> uh, of everybody. And we could say what we want about this past week's worth of events, but... You know, it probably gave OnlyFans more exposure than in PR than they ever could have bought. You know, I think this one. And why do you like when they look at OnlyFans like they're look, I look at their platform and the first time I heard about it, I went over there and like, what's this OnlyFans? Everyone keeps talking about it. I remember I get there and like this fucking site sucks. I mean, it's ugly as shit. There's there's not much going on. If I'm arriving on that thing as a as a fan and I don't know what it is yet. Uh, it's really confusing. It's like, what is this? Why would I pay for this? Like, you know, it's not clear. However, despite all that, clearly it did really well, right? <laughs> clearly it was onto something and, and they had an approach there that, that actually worked. What do you think they did? Cause there are, like you said, it's getting very red ocean. Now there's lots of competitors. Everybody's trying to repeat the success of only fans, but what is it about them that they did that was so special that got them to, to that level that like, that maybe the other platforms are having a hard time replicating. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was they had first mover advantage, right? So yeah. that, 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 that's huge in a lot of cases, not, and they weren't really the first ones, but they're the first ones I think to do it right. They developed a platform that looked very similar to Twitter, right? So it was very familiar with people. It was kind of easy, you know, and, and they took a lot of things that you wish you could see on Twitter and just, it made it simple, right? You know, it's like, uh, they all kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. 
Right. Look look at Craigslist. Craigslist was a horrible looking site, but <laughs> exactly, I mean, I yeah. Still use it and I used it for probably twenty years, right? Because it's a simple site with links. You post what you want to sell, or you post, you know, you repost of stuff you want to buy and it's categorized nicely. So, you know, a lot of people think that you know it's a great example. You have to have this super flashy, brilliant site and clips for sale. Right. Horrible you are, you know? But yeah, absolutely. First mover advantage in that market, people like, and they came to early adoption. So, you know, I mean, that's really why OnlyFans was successful. They had that first mover advantage. They had a simple UI. It looked very familiar to Twitter. And, you know, they gained market share that way. And then they just, and they got to the point where they became a, a mainstream thing, right? People started talking about mainstream and, and the pandemic hit. And then, you know, that was a great event for them. It blew up, right? And you've got Cardi B joining it, Tiger joining it, who just says he's not joining it anymore. And, you know, once people start using it in rap songs and videos, you know, you're you're playing at a different level. I mean, the important thing at the end of the day is I think what OnlyFans did as I look back is you've got all these 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 performers, models creating content and clips for sale. Same thing. It's like, OK, I, I can make little clips easy now. That's not so hard for me to do. But how do I monetize it? Well, before you had to, like, set up a pay site and go through all that whole process or you can like, you know, maybe try to upload the porn or something, but then monetizing from there is difficult. You're still going to need the pay site or something to monetize. They just gave everyone a store. They gave it was a simple concept, but there was a need for it. You know, there was a need for a way for people to say, OK, I'm going to just shoot some content and I need a quick way to monetize it. And I have the store. So for OnlyFans, it went beyond that because instead of just setting up and buying clips, now you've got all these performers that you can kind of create the, the pay site experience in a way. Right. But they don't have to do any of that work. So if you're setting up a, a website and you're, you're managing the page and you're getting hosting and you got to get billing integrated and that's a key. Like what? So th- three grand to like, you know, what is it to drop on, on getting set up on billing half the time for something like that? It's expensive. Here's an easy way for you to, to generate recurring income. You know, that whole subscription recurring income thing. And you can just throw your shit up on here and you can push it. There was a need for that. It solved the technology problem is what I'm getting at, because the models didn't really have the time or, or in a lot of cases, the know-how to set up the um, the web, the, the pay sites and the billing and, and the content management and everything that comes from doing it that way. This was really simple. So identifying, I guess what I'm saying is identifying some sort of a, a need out there where there's a, a pain point, maybe a technology driven pain point um, or an experience pain point that you can create technology that solves for people. That seems to be like a, a, a great way to do well in this business. hundred percent. And that's why I threw Stan in their model center, right? Because it was hard to, for these models set up their own website. You know, and that's what he did. It was a very simple couple clicks. And I've got my, I don't have to worry about billing. I don't have to worry about hosting. And I right. do what I do best. I film content. I can upload it. I'm used to social media. And because social media and technology has, has allowed that. And, you know, just what you said, solving pain points creates good businesses. And, you know, look at Uber. Uber solved the pain point of the broken taxi cab system. Look at Airbnb. It solved the pain point of people having all these extra spaces and property and be able to rent it out. And therefore, Airbnb is extremely successful. OnlyFans, same thing. It solved that pain point of performers having a platform in which they could upload their content and monetize their fan base. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and now, 
I, you know, for the affiliates who are listening, I always want to ask this question of pretty much everybody. It's a standard question, and I know it's difficult to get uh, really concrete answers, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. And that's the issue of traffic. So if if, if you've got affiliate, let's say affiliates out there. In your case, you got a history with adult toys. So let's say somebody wants to sell adult toys, and they've set up however they're going to do it, or they're not selling them themselves, but they're an affiliate pushing maybe a program. I don't know if they have a white label site or if they're just pushing to to a, a toy company site and trying to. Make Make money as an affiliate. How do they go about finding traffic? That's the thing that's on everybody's mind. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously one of those tricky things. I give you all my secrets, then everybody sure. does it, and, and I'll get burned. Um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I love. I mean, there's a standard playbook of you know, make sure you you look at set your SEO up. You know, do your social media marketing. Um, you know, link exchanges. So you look for relevant sites and say, hey, can I do some link exchanges? Um, you know, depending on your site, you want to maybe trade content people. But, you know, there, there's a new way in which people are starting to market, right? They give each other shout outs and you could, you know, because you look for somebody else with a big Twitter following. Um, you can say, hey, can I buy a shout out or if I do a trade for you and, and do a shout out? You know, the, the other new things is, is which I'm finding fascinating and, and We've been very successful with Rucho May and then and NAFTI as well is building these big communities through Telegram, through Discord. You know, this is the new way where people are marketing, right? You know, and, you know, we see an interesting tweet. You say, all right, you got to have a little bit of a community of people. All right, let's go. Let's go raid that tweet, right? And you're like, all right, you know, we all, but we're on Elon Musk's tweet and we're all like, hey, check this out, check this out, check Nafty out, right? You know, and, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's called in our world, like we go, we go shill it and you promote it, you know, or raid these tweets. And that's kind of a new way, interesting way I find fascinating, you know, that you build these kind of communities on these Telegram, on Discord, you know, and then you also create product advocates, you know. So I think those are those are great way to do it. There's there's certain hacks through Facebook, you, you, which I've been successful doing. And I'll never you, if I advertise a sex toy on Facebook, I get shut down immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could even have an article. So if I got, you know, virtual mate, I have a virtual mate Facebook page where they instantly know I'm adult. So even if I have virtual mate and it's a very pg article in cosmo or something like that you know ask men it was you know i had it was listed as the top sex toy in ask men pg nothing nothing that should be wrong ask men has a page they shut me down instantly what you can do though is develop a mainstream site on one of these social media platforms like facebook or group um and you build like this. So I did a like a VR thing. So I started talking and then I post a bunch of articles about regular VR game, VR this. And then it gets easy for me to slip and I can build a big VR community through there. And then it gets easy for me to slip adult stuff in there because Facebook ain't looking, doesn't see me as an adult, you know, in the adult light, the ways that they see my my virtual mate page. So I'm yeah. able to slip a little bit of adult content and drive traffic that way without being the under the Mark Zuckerberg radar, right? Also, I was very successful participating in, and you know, we've got voice audio. Voice audio is a, 
a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that has come up during the pandemic. You know, the, the clubhouse launched and was probably one of the fastest companies to reach a billion dollar valuation. I was very active participating in a lot of clubhouse chats, you know, look at different groups. I would get in these VR chats and, you know, spend time. So, you know, every, you know, driving traffic and creating organic traffic is like anything in life, though. You, you, you have to put, you know, a lot of work into it if you want to get a lot out of it. You know, you can't expect to have a fit body and not go work out in the gym, right? You've got to put a lot of work into it. And, you know, that's how the Internet works. You know, you have to give in order to receive, right? You know, it's just not... You know, we, we came from that era when you can put up a web page and generate a lot of traffic. Well, that, that's gone, you know, 15, 10 years ago. So now it's, it's you know, there's definitely a good content marketing strategy involved in creating content for the Internet. But it takes work, you know. So it used to be as simple as filling out a form on Yahoo and uh, submitting uh, about three items on a form, waiting about a month for it to get reviewed and then put the bucket out to catch the cash. It, it really used to be that simple. Yeah. So but, you know, that's there's unfortunately no like one golden dagger that gets you there. It's as we said with earlier about the affiliate market, it's fragmented and. To generate traffic, it's very fragmented. So you got to do a lot of things well. Yeah, I and that's kind of a message we keep trying to push is that like anything with marketing at all these days, is it's a very noisy world out there. There's so much going on and there's so much competing for everybody's attention. And uh, people are busy. People are distracted. Uh, the social media is hitting them with shit right and left. If you want to market anything in this in this world anymore, you have to. It's a matter of consistently hitting people over and over and over again over a period of time, so they see you again and again. And eventually, when they do, it, you know, um, you know, they'll start to take note. But the first three, four, or five times you're trying to get somewhere, it's it's probably not going to going to sink until you've managed to um, to hit that person consistently. Then they keep hearing about you or they keep seeing your group on, you know, whatever. Oh, what's this going on? This discussion or this guy keeps talking about VR. Maybe I'll check it out. Whatever it is you're pushing, you know, um, it, it there it's it takes takes time and effort. Um, so last question, I want to throw this your way. I give everybody a chance to kind of predict the future and I'd like to get your thoughts on like where we're going as an industry. Maybe you have any thoughts on anything nobody else is thinking about. Do, do, so as you look forward to the rest of this year and then throughout 2022, all of next year, do you see anything emerging? Are we going to look pretty much the same way we look right now or, or how do you see things changing? Well, I mean, really it's a lot of what I've already kind of touched on, you know, I think the Blue Ocean Strategy. You know, we touched on a little bit of this, but I think the gaming market is going to continue to grow leaps and bounds as technology, more players enter it. Um, you know, we're seeing that grow. Uh, you know, one of the the good things, you know, while, while the OnlyFans announcement was kind of like very disturbing, troubling to a lot of people, it presented a lot of opportunity, right? So yeah, for you're sure. seeing fan platforms step up. There's more options for performers and it was interesting because of the pandemic and models were making so much money on OnlyFans. You know, I was trying to film content for Nafti and trying to get some brand ambassadors, but a lot of the top name models, they were earning so much on OnlyFans. It's like, and they had all their eggs in this one basket. It became tough to approach them and to get them to do anything else. But then this bombshell happened and it really gave a wake up call to the industry and says, hey, 
I should really diversify myself because what I was making tomorrow is not guaranteed because when you put all your content on this third party platform, it's like, you know, and we've seen this mainstream too. We've seen mainstream content creators, they build up this big YouTube audience and then all of a sudden YouTube is like, I don't like the way you talk about that or this goes against their terms of service or you know what, we're running YouTube TV and, and we want to start funneling more traffic and ads towards us. You know, you're always at, at the mercy of these big companies. And so the big change that we're going to see in the landscape of adult is is really a lot more diversification. People are going to give performers more options. You know, and, and again, they come with the gaming. I think the gaming industry is going to be huge. Um, and then last but not least is, you know, what we're seeing with the cryptocurrency and the adult tokens is we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg right now. You know, five years down the road from now, it'll really be like PayPal, right? You know, you're going to have yeah. some browser extension, some app and, and the, that friction that exists already in paying with crypto won't, won't exist, right? You'll just the browser automatically detected your wallet. You know, you've got a wallet, it sees that it takes payment in this and it'll just be like, click, click. Right. And, and, you know, that's why PayPal is extremely successful right now. Like the other day I was trying to purchase a pair of shorts and, you know, I, I purposely looked, do they take PayPal? And because they pay PayPal, I was like, click, click, they've got my address on file. So I don't have to punch in the shipping address. They've got my payment there. I don't have to punch in this 12 digit number and see my credit card expiration. I never remember that three digit code on the back of my card. And, you know, so if I would have had to walk all the way upstairs, get my wallet, you know, that was enough friction in place for me not to purchase. Right. And so crypto will, will be right where, where PayPal is and, and be that seamless, you know, three, four five years down the road from now. And it'll just kind of be like, everybody's got a wallet. How do you want to transact, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that's um, I, I completely agree about gaming. By the way, I've been like, if you know my son's generation, and you just, I mean, they're just playing the games like all the goddamn time. And so you see, like the younger uh, younger adults coming up now after spending a whole lifetime in front of a, a gaming console. Um, it's it's I have no doubt that's going to be huge. It's just games are fucking expensive and difficult to uh, to create. So it's it's going to Here, take the right And here's companies. what I don't get. This is how you tell games when you're kids. They watch people play games. Like, they watch YouTube videos of people playing. I'm like, what you, why don't you just play the game, kid? You know, you, you get a... No, I'm going to watch someone yeah. else pay. I, that's one thing. That's how you know you're old when you don't get things that the younger generations get. So, like, back in my day, we just whipped out a controller. But... <laughs> They are entertained by hours of watching somebody else go through a game and talk. I'm like, that but- shit blew my mind the first time I saw my son doing that shit. He had like any, and he, and he actually would even play a game and he would have his like iPad up and then he was watching somebody play a game while he was playing a game. <laughs> like, and he had all that shit going on. It's like, oh my God, man, that's just crazy. I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't quite get it i guess there's something to be said from you get a preview of the game and so it t- teaches you how to do stuff so when you play the game you're a little more comfortable with it later and because like when you're first playing a game it's a little awkward and i think some yeah. of these guys on youtube are funny you know while they're doing these games so they entertain them because they're saying funny shit and they're yeah. doing funny shit but uh I- i'm with you on that one man i that's that's crazy stuff hey uh man i really appreciate your time i know you're a busy guy so thank thanks for coming on and sharing all your wisdom with us uh here today it's it's great 
greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate why not? Appreciate you guys, and uh, glad we're able to finally get this done. And hopefully, we'll be able to see each other in person at some point in the not too distant future, and uh, have some drinks and, and chill. Nav- Navti is a sponsor of the new camo. Not new. Uh, this coming. Cam- why not community was, yeah man that's yeah. fucking so, awesome yes yeah, yeah. so i'll be down in la you might be hosting an investor so hosting a nafty investor dinner before the awards show then we're attending the awards with a, a bunch of our brand ambassadors and models so we're very very excited to be a participant and to attend the event so so i can say this without um worrying because even though we haven't announced this yet by the time this airs um, we will have announced it um we are also going to have a we got we got a buyout of um the improv and we're going to have a, a for for all the attendees down in hollywood we got a special show going on down there too so it's gonna um we're gonna have one night before the award show where we just go into the improv and we have a buyout there and it's just going to be models and industry people and um, and uh, uh, we're going to have a, a private comedy show. It's going to be a fucking blast. No shit. That's awesome. <laughs> when are you guys announcing that? Uh, well, from the time we're recording this, it'll probably be announced in next, like the following week. So probably in about four or five days, something like that. Yeah, we're just locking down a few of the details on the performers that are going to be there performing. We got one of them... Uh, um, locked in and we're, we're, uh, we're working on another one. And, uh, yeah, it's been great working with comedians. I got to say they're a great group and they get our industry. It's so often we try to work with, like we have people on the live stream where it's like, we're trying to do the live stream for camel Awards, and we got a great company to do it. And we're, we're excited to work with these guys, but earlier on you're going to companies and they're like, uh, yeah, it's like an adult related thing. We can't no. do it. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's people dressed up like on prom night, having dinner and drinks and like, you know, yeah. going on stage and grabbing a trophy and talking for a minute. And you're going to turn down that freaking work and all that money because, oh, it has something to do with adult. So we have to deal with that shit from mainstream all the time where it's just uh, it, it boggles the mind that anybody's turning this down when there's there's nothing explicit like at all of what they're doing. And nobody would even know that they were involved in it, like at the end of the day. Um, so you got to find people that are comfortable. But comedians, man, they're all, I've never had a single comedian like, oh, adult, I don't know. In fact, they, <laughs> if anything, they fucking love it. Like they're like yeah. excited to be a part of it. They, they, they get our business, man. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, all right, I'm man. Very, very excited to attend it and uh, do some in-person fist bumps and drinks. Uh, so Can't fucking wait, man. It's been a long, long time coming to get back to this. So looking forward to it. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks again for this opportunity and looking forward to this airing, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it.